Film runs through our veins and continuously makes us interact with it. I'm your host, Edward Frumkin, and this is Real Print. In this episode, filmmaker Raji Zamer Singha talks about how he shares his memories on screen, playing with audience expectations in his work, and finding purpose in using footage he shot years ago. Finally, in today's concluding thought, I talk about grappling with my own social anxiety. Some portions are recorded on Zoom, so bear that in mind when you hear the audio and enjoy the show. Thank you, Raji, for stepping time out of your day to come to Real Print. Oh, it's a pleasure. Pleasure. Thanks for having me on. Mm-hmm. And I, I begin with all my past guests. What was your first film memory? <laughs> my first film memory, oh God, it's probably, uh, it's probably a Bollywood film that I don't quite remember. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I have a lot of uh, vivid but vague memories of uh, Bollywood films. Uh, of course, uh, you know, the, the biggest film industry in the world, uh, but yeah, a lot of, lot of films, uh, but um, yeah, I think it's something from a Bollywood film. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And as you watched so many movies, I remember that you would rent free VHS tapes. Were there some that would stick out to you? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, yeah, I was watching, um, um, I mean, I was fairly young. I was in my early teens and I was watching Godard and Fassbender and John Waters because um, they wouldn't police uh, what I was borrowing from the library, which I was very lucky, you know, uh, or, or unlucky. I don't know. I was watching a lot of stuff I didn't understand that I'd, uh, graphic nudity and violence, and, uh, but um, you know, I, it was nice to absorb these these films um, at a young age. I think um, you know, I, I grew an appreciation of uh, uh, you know for art cinema, for experimental cinema, pretty early on, uh, even if I didn't quite know what I was watching, but I was super intrigued by it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And how did that admiration influence the films you want to make? Oh, well, I, I kind of fell into um, uh, a, a, a kind of filmmaking that's, uh, you know, of the same mode. Uh, it's, uh, uh, you know, it's a kind of a different kind of cinema. It's a more experimental um you know, uh, it's formally uh, innovative. It's uh, looking to push boundaries and explore, uh, uh, you know, sociopolitical um, um, topics. Uh, and uh, they're they're social, socially and politically engaged. Yeah, and uh, yeah. Anyway. Okay. Yeah, and I know that you were interested in being an illustrator. What got you interested in being illustrating before continuing to make films? Um, it was, it's really, 
it's really the only thing I was good at when I was younger. Um, uh, I could draw really well um, and I was bo otherwise bored at school. Um, and so I just kind of, um, uh, kind of just figured, you know, this is, this is something I should do, um, in the future, but then I just got bored of it. I just got bored of it. And, um, I, I thought cinema was a more, uh, more interesting way to express myself creatively and to engage, um, uh, you know, with the topics that, uh, I think are important. Uh, that I'm curious about. Uh, yeah. Mm -hmm. And you were also a TA of the United States of America's James Benning. And what was that relationship like? And how did he influence you to be a film, to find your own style in filmmaking? Uh, yeah, I was a TA for James at, at CalArts some years ago now. Um, what was that like? It was um, <laughs> it was a mixed mixed bag. I, I didn't um, I don't I don't even think I was so influenced by James, but I got to know him uh, as a person. Um, I mean, I, I just thought you know he, he was a interesting guy, interesting guy to uh, to be around. Um, but <laughs> I'm not sure I absorbed too much from him. Um, but um, yeah, I mean, he, he's a, as a guy, as a, as a guy, I thought he was interesting. Um, but um, yeah, as a filmmaker, you know, uh, you know, I'm sure I, I absorb things from different people in my life from, uh, from, uh, you know, my friends, my family. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I know he's like a hugely influential experimental filmmaker. Uh, but uh, really, I just, uh, I don't know, I like him as a guy. <laughs> but it's good to sometimes know the stuff behind what's written, you know, on Wikipedia and trying to find new faces profiles. So he's just a guy. <laughs> well, um, yeah, I think uh, people, you know, people have a, a there's a perception of him uh, that people maybe have based on, uh, you know, his films being so, uh, you know, austere and, uh, you, you know, there, there's a perception of him maybe, but um, I, I just kind of, uh, I think he's very different. I think he, he's very different from uh, maybe what people think he's like. Um, he, he's very much, you know, just kind of a regular guy, and uh, you know, I, I liked him, and uh, uh, the uh, this this concept uh, of him being this this you know this influential filmmaker was never really a, a thing in my head, especially when you're in the school, uh, you know, and he's a professor that you see every day, um, and you, you you know, as a TA, you have responsibilities you know just responsibilities to get things in and you know it's you know it's a business relationship too so um yeah yeah mm -hmm. it sometimes makes me think when i have robert green's my professor of zoo like i just oh my god sundance documentarian but then oh it's just a guy so 
I can relate to that in some way. <laughs> now I want to get into a little bit of the overall themes and aesthetics in your shorts. And mm. it's starting off with the trip you had to Sri Lanka shortly after 2010, like what led you to come back to Sri Lanka after the Civil War and to make a lot of videos that would become many films? Uh, so uh, the impetus for that was uh, uh, it, it was really a it started from a, a curiosity about my my, my mother's past, uh, which she doesn't talk about so much. Uh, it's been uh, you know this uh, this mysterious thing in my family. Um, this question about you know the circumstances around her childhood. Um, and so, you know, I was, I wanted to explore that a bit. Um, and, uh, I also wanted to spend time with my mother and just, just to be around her and get to know her, uh, a bit more. So I suggested we go to her village, uh, which he hadn't been to in decades, uh, and just kind of hang out, um, and, you know, meet, meet the old family uh so and i decided to um you know i had this like budding interest in film so i brought a camera and i also had ideas um about uh, uh you know challenging uh you know the ethnographic forms uh, documentary forms and uh, uh kind of making uh work about the post-war era in Sri Lanka. Uh, I was kind of interested in that, but uh, I hardly I hardly knew how to make a film at that point. So I wasn't, uh, you know, expecting too much. Uh, but um, once I got there, I was super active and just hyper-focused and making all these uh, different projects. I was, I was, I was energized and uh, yeah, a lot of a lot of work came out of that. Hmm. Do you know an approximate number of hours of footage you shot? And uh, was there another person that did sound, or, or are many of the films that of your shorts are like post-production sound? Uh, I was the only one there shooting and doing sound. I was the only one doing anything there. Um, it was kind of in the middle of nowhere. So, um, uh, but, uh, and really it was just kind of a more of a family reunion than a formal film shoot. Uh, you know, this wasn't, uh, yeah, this wasn't a, for, uh, this wasn't a traditional film shoot in, in any sense. Uh, the way it was shot, uh, and, you know, my, and my process was, was very, very casual and collaborative. Um, but uh, yeah, I was the only one doing production stuff on the ground. But when I got here, uh, I started developing the films uh, five years after I shot them. Uh, I started editing uh, the different projects I shot. And then um, during my stay at CalArts. So I got help then for sound. Uh, from Christina Wynn, my good friend, uh, brilliant 
sound person. Um, and she did some work as a, with the 16 millimeter film and film processing and also sound. Uh, she did a 5.1 surround mix for the Eyes of Summer. Um, and yeah, yeah. But most, uh, most of everything I did myself. And I credited my mom as a producer because <clears throat> even though, you know, uh, uh, she doesn't even know what a producer is, but she was doing a lot of those um, tasks on the ground. Mm -hmm. Just kind of facilitating the production. And so I did credit her. As uh, you said earlier that this is a family reunion, view these films as a gift to your family. Uh, yes. Um, you know, it's, uh, it's kind of a tribute to my family it exists only because of them and their generosity and you know openness to engage in the, these uh projects uh you know everything from performing in them to uh you know facilitating them in other ways um uh, or even just like feeding me <laughs> feeding me um um uh, and uh uh, you know, it, it, so yes, it, it, and uh, these films are dedicated to um, to them, to to my mom, to uh, relatives uh, who are here and not here. But uh, yeah, yeah, they're they're very much uh, a gift and tribute to them, for sure. Mm -hmm. They 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 inspire me and continue to inspire my work. And other traits that I want to get into overall briefly are the different colors and camera specifications about when do you decide that you want to shoot in X color or black and white or were all the color decisions made in post? Uh, those decisions were made in post. Um... Yeah, a lot of the film. I, I mean, in post production, you, you know, it's a, uh, it's an entire phase, uh, you know, of the filmmaking process. It, it continues to evolve and uh, reveal things to you. Um, and yeah, those those decisions were made in in post production. Um, but real, I mean, the impetus for doing the black and white. Um, was that I felt like, you know, Sri Lanka is, um, it's a very touristy country. Uh, the, the, the colors uh, kind of like pop and they've been used, uh, uh, you know, in that way. Um, and, and so I wanted to, uh, to take the pleasure away uh, of those colors, uh, those lush colors. Um, I didn't want to uh, you know, uh, romanticize the landscape. I wanted to focus, uh, to, to refocus uh, uh, the spectator's attention to uh, other things. You know, it's a complicated nation. And, uh, you know, I wanted to focus on, uh, um, uh, you know, this idea of the post-war era and, uh, uh, you know, other concepts of, uh, of uh, a family and, uh, uh, you know, things like that, so. Mm -hmm. As you mentioned that 
it's about families. It's also many films about memories of looking at X events, as I would see, like in a couple of films, like Everywhere Star, I believe it's called, and the Quilda material about like reverse shots of like the a person and the environment, or like the quilt or the moons, mm -hmm. like if you understand what I'm saying, which is about people's relationships with the environment. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I was always uh, interested in uh, this this idea of psychogeography. You know how an environment can uh, influence someone, um, uh, and you know this was kind of a, a curiosity of mine as I was making films, um, and you know certainly in the films you mentioned, uh, but also. Uh, also, I'm interested in uh, the, the the devices of cinema, the uh, genres, and just uh, like for me, portraits and landscapes are the primary rhetorical devices in the cinema, and you know, I I, I was interested in that and working with that and deconstructing cinematic devices. And that's kind of where it came from. This idea of psychogeography was interesting to me, uh, particularly because of my background and, you know, living in a context that was complicated, hostile, um, and uh, it, it inspired a lot of uh, complicated feelings. So, you know, I was very curious about how the relationship of someone to their environment and you know that that ended up becoming you know a, a, a huge curiosity of mine as a filmmaker so yeah mm -hmm. yeah i want to make sure get some time to the some essential shorts that people should hear or see when they have the chance starting off with if i were any further away i'd be closer to home but let you to show this family portrait of making noodles <laughs> yeah so that's uh that's a film uh that was the f uh, was it the first film that i made off that archive uh i believe it is yes um and yeah the, that was kind of that was shot you know where my my mom was um uh, growing up uh, yeah it's a memory piece it's kind of a uh, it's a it's a piece about uh, you know this Tamil family. It, it was yeah. I, I mean, I took away the sound because I wanted it to see have the quality of memories, um, uh, like this memory stream. Um, but yeah, it's really it's really a reflection on kind of a meditation on my mom's uh, experience growing up. Um, and just her being there, but also my own my own impressions very about very much about my own impression of uh, discovering uh, these things, uh, and and the title speaks to you know this condition I've had my whole life of of feeling between two worlds, you know reconnecting with my mom, uh, you know through these uh, discoveries that are, uh, you know, of her childhood.
experiences. Mm -hmm. As it is about rediscovery, it is also a film about routine and traditions through the continuous output of noodles. Yes, <clears throat> yes. I mean, it's it's uh, yes. It is about that. It's. I mean, I wanted to make a film that was kind of a a a, a dignified portrait of uh, you know a, ta a Tamil family, um, and you know I'm also interested in the the corporeal. Um, uh, I, I like uh, part of the reason also why I made it silent is I'm, I'm interested in the movement of bodies and the the what that can express uh, more than you know say uh, a traditional interview or something you know I want to yeah. throw the spectator into <clears throat> the expressive qualities of uh, movement of texture um, mm -hmm. of uh, the cuts in the film and uh, landscapes and uh, people against landscapes and uh, you know all these uh, these physical uh, expressive um, modes um, mm -hmm. you know which I've been curious about with other films too but uh, you know this one in particular I would say mm -hmm. that does convey through cutting off the faces of the people in the footage as about not necessarily like being in here completely but having a sense of resonance through oh like i've touched like this couch or table yeah <clears throat> yeah I, I would i would agree you know it's it's about the the to the totality of the experience you know sometimes uh my focus would shift to a, a you know a a, ch a chicken on a, you know walking across me my feet uh, or the texture on a wall the writings on a wall or uh you know a dead animal or light bulbs uh you know embedded into the wall um you know different things that uh just kind of um, that are you know that were very vivid to me in memory and I think that that expressed the the totality of the experience, you know, um, mm. whether it, you know it's away from uh, uh, you know uh, people or not, you know, it it's uh, it speaks to the entire experience. Mm -hmm. And uh, as you mentioned earlier about animals, I wanted to ask a little bit earlier, as uh, there's a lot of animals in. Your films, like what do they represent? Well, they're well. Uh, the <laughs> the answer is like uh, they're just everywhere. But uh, I also, uh, you know, I have a great uh, respect and admiration for animals. Um, they are part. They're always part part of my life. I've always grown up around animals, uh, so it would be a lie. <laughs> For me to not include them, they're you know they are part of uh, my journey through life, and and the way I communicate to the world. So I think you'll always see, and you'll see them in my feature too. <laughs> um, yeah, they're part of the cast always. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I love seeing them. They 
always made me like sometimes scared in Eyes of Summer or laughing in Show Me Other Places. But also, like this film is very different than the other ones as it's more minimalistic while all the others have a lot of um, overcompositions of uh, different shots together and having different effects like the sunlight in uh, the Show Me Other Places. Like, how do you like determine which one's minimalist versus more formalist. Uh, and, you're, and you're talking about If I Burn Any Further Away. Yeah, I, yes. As a minimalist film. Yeah, I mean, that's true. Um, it's more of a delicate, delicate film. It, it was, that, that film, I kind of wanted to make a, a more traditional observational documentary but then kind of subvert that expectation towards the end where it's uh it starts to kind of break apart into this uh this other thing that's a bit more abstract um but uh i just i just really wanted to honor the 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 work they were they were doing uh i felt like that was compelling enough and expressive enough uh, and it was uh, it was expressing you know everything that I wanted it to do, um, but yeah, I just felt like it was working. It, it's it's more like it, the situation, the and the space and the people kind of determine the form of the film. Really, um, mm -hmm. that's how it all evolves, um, and uh, you know what the yeah, it's really what's required what's required and uh that was all that was required for that film mm -hmm. well i'm happy that you don't have the exact same type of film that we expect coming to the many that you do and now's a good time to move on to the exile and the, the about i forgot how to say my own words but it's possible if you could say what the exile is in your own words yeah, that one, that one's very much, um, it's about myself reflecting back on my own memories of uh, the Civil War and growing up in that context and kind of, uh, uh, you know, looking, looking at the past, but also looking at the future, um, optimistically but maybe a bit more bittersweet than that um you know this hope for reconstruction and union but um it's also quite uh dubious <laughs> but yes it's it's kind of about um my reflections of the past um and uh also uh, you know, my my, I I feel like an exile. To, you know, to a certain extent, it's very much you know about my position. Uh, you know, as a, as an exile, kind of reflecting back. Mm -hmm. That's conveyed through in mm -hmm. the beginning and the in the middle of the same shot. People walking, and you're there. Like it's a <laughs> lot of uh, predominant white tours that as the tours in country and. Uh, about how they don't know much of the like day-to-day -day lives of the people who live in Sri Lanka. 
Yeah, those shots also have to do with um, migration. Uh, and also, uh, it's kind of a reflection on um, the dead. Um, kind of uh, the, this, this constant f uh, feeling that you're walking among the dead. Um, uh, you know, in, in the post-Civil War era. Uh, and it, it's... Uh, you know, it's a it's a shot that that was shot accidentally, actually, while the camera was recording. Um, uh, when I when it was pointed down, when I was uh, you know probably trying to replace batteries or something, but I and it was out of focus, but I quite liked it because you know it kind of reminded me reminded me of those things in an effective way. So uh, I held on to them and put them in, but. Um, yeah, that's kind of what was what was what was behind those shots. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's also the theme of homecoming or returning, as you see a lot of areas that might have been different before the war and after the war. Yes, <laughs> I agree. That's a, that's a that's a. Um, a sharp observation, I would say. Mm. Well, thank you for my interpretation. <laughs> and also the film first five forty-five minutes of the film is silent. Like how do you know when you want to transition from silence to audio? Oh, in that in that particular one, um, uh, the silence had a, a political element. It, it, it had to do with um, how, how people don't really speak openly and honestly about the, the war, the circumstances around the war and uh, the tension between, uh, you know, the ethnic groups um, and the mistreatment of ethnic groups in the country. So I wanted to express that in this silence, um, which is uh, pretty, <laughs> yeah, pretty, uh, and you know, I, I, I wanted to uh, emphasize it with this uh, sound sequence in the end, which comes on in, in kind of a shocking way and it's very loud. Uh, so I <laughs> wanted to underline the silence in that way, but yeah. Mm -hmm. It's also a film about memory, as I read in your 25 new face profile, how you conceive memories without sound, as many of them don't have a notable piece of dialogue. Yeah, and, and, and this goes back to if I were any further away, I'd be closer to home. I, I, for me, memories are, <laughs> memories tend to be silent. Um, and, uh, unless it, unless there's a very specific sound associated with the memory, uh, but yeah, I mean, that's just how, how memories function for me. Um, and I think for a lot of people, um, so that's, uh, that's kind of a, a, uh, a device that I adopted into my cinematic practice. Um, but yeah. Mm -hmm. And uh, lastly, about the exile, like it says, reconstruction 
like the when you talked earlier about the the optimistic future that was in the over superimposition of the nightlife and the workers and uh, about continuing to make efforts of a future yeah i mean that's what uh, you kind of nailed it i think um the, you know the superimpositions um are these uh it, it was this um kind of uh, optimistic uh, joining of uh, you know this this lively city uh, and these also these images of uh, uh, you know all these men working together to uh, you know to to uh, to build this this fort um, that they were building um, and uh, that was you know meant to express. Um, you know this hopefulness, but the, also there's this kind of uh, uh, precariousness and uh, uh, bittersweet quality to them in the way they're presented as well. So, uh, you know, I remain I remain hopeful, but we'll see. We'll see. Yeah, and uh, now I want to get into the eyes of summer. What some say. Uh, or what I think you said, a combination of horror fiction and spectral ethnography when you follow a girl going through the spirits in the, the village. And, and how do you define spectral ethnography? <clears throat> oh, um, <clears throat> well, there's a condition. Uh, well, well, first of all, Sri Lanka has a very casual relationship with the spiritual world, and I would say, you know, um, Eastern countries tend to have a casual relationship with the spiritual world, and and their ancestors, they they believe, you know, they tend to believe that they're living among the dead, <clears throat> and this is a very uh, mundane notion. Um, so, this idea of spectral ethnography kind of evolved uh, out of, you know, trying to make a film about uh, the post-war era and this, you know, this condition uh, that uh, I was noticing uh, where the distinction between uh, the living and the dead was kind of thinning. Um, that was that was kind of uh, where I, I I arrived at this this idea of spectral ethnography, um, and you know it's this adoption of this ghost ghost narrative. <clears throat> this is the truth of uh, what I saw there and <clears throat> what I was observing and hearing, and my you know my mother had many experiences in the village uh, with the spiritual world, and you know that's kind of the uh, the jumping off point of the film <clears throat> and uh, you know I adopted horror aesthetics uh, genre conventions if you will to uh, to assist in uh, <laughs> this expression um, and so you know uh, that all those kind of all those things kind of lead into uh, this idea of spectral ethnography mm -hmm. that's very well said and uh, <laughs> I, as in the title card note that you collaborate with 
your family members and mm-hmm. uh, like how much of this was the first time they acted in the film I don't know if it's acting or performing or appearing in the film mm-hmm. like because they're speaking to a truth that they live I don't want to say that they're acting mm-hmm. but like what how do you got the family members to be in the film Oh yeah, I I wouldn't say they were acting necessarily. Uh, I I wouldn't say that actually. Uh, uh, it's not, <clears throat> you know, it's not like uh, they're they're not Bressonian models or anything. Like they're just them. I I was trying to create a context where they could be themselves and, and express um, their individuality and their. Uh, their ideas about what this should be, and uh, it was a kind of a uh, you know a true collaboration in that sense. Um, and, and, and you know it was playful. It was, it was casual and playful because um, I, I feel like that's the best best way to make films. Um, well, maybe not every film, but you know for this. These particular films, it was it was the way I wanted to do it. Yeah, I think uh, you know it was, and, and, and you know it, it it took time. There were certain days where <clears throat> I didn't shoot at all, and I was really just uh, spending time with the family and uh, walking around and observing. Uh, this the the idea of a camera coming into the mix was almost like an uh, like an afterthought. Um, but yeah, it was really just a game that we were playing and, uh, our film, uh, ended up coming out of it. Hmm. That's fun to hear that, you know, it sounds casual and playful. The girl goes on an uncertainty journey throughout this and she doesn't know about the, what is alive or what's dead. Uh, and you know that was my mother's experience. Uh, that's my cousin, kind of loosely <clears throat> playing uh, my mother. Uh, but yeah, I think uh, <clears throat> my mother's experiences, early experiences with the spiritual world, uh, was a was a useful context to talk about um, talk about the dead in the post-war era and you know that condition. Um, that people are going through, uh, but <clears throat> mm-hmm. and the the film has a lot of wind as well. Like I've seen a few other films, but this one I noticed there's a lot more shots of like the grass blowing, knowing that there's some people being alive in the non-physical presence. Yeah. <clears throat> Yeah, someone brought this up recently um, that it was uh, that I, I, I my films kind of speak to uh, you know the thing that Griffith said about the wind and the trees uh, that I, I have this uh, um, kind of a uh, this this classic uh, appreciation for cinema and the wind and the trees and things like that, but. Uh, I think that sometimes I want to refocus the attention away from uh, humans. Uh, 
I think uh, I mean that's a, that was that's almost the, also the 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 impetus for <clears throat> focusing on animals. Uh, sometimes uh, I, I I think it's good for people to uh, not focus so much on humans. I think it, it, it's it's better to uh, sometimes better to uh, uh, focus on the wind, focus on uh, uh, you know other things in the natural world, um, and uh, to uh, you know shift the focus away from um, human beings. <laughs> yeah, like I don't need to see humans like at every moment in the movie. But also, <laughs> I pick up my attention on the music that's in the film through the drums and the two other um, song options, like. What was your goal with the music in the film that's more present than in your other films? Yeah, that, uh, I mean, that was just in the environment. Um, you know, people, people were playing music and, uh, you know, I was able to record it and uh, it, it just, it just felt like it was, speaking to you know like i said like the totality of the experience whereas you know certain films didn't need it this one in particular i felt like it was uh uh you know it was part of the part of the whole experience and and being honest to what what i was seeing there yeah mm -hmm. yeah i definitely feel that when it comes to the specific memories why there is the non-drum music when the girl was sitting down, like it might have been what was playing at a, a music device. I don't know if there was a radio at yeah. over there. Yeah, also, uh, also my mom, I mean, one of the reasons is also my mom, when she was younger, she was, uh, she was scouted to be a, a singer and an actress. But she gave up on that um, <clears throat> for one reason or another. Uh, but, you know, she has a lovely <laughs> singing voice. So, uh, you know, music is something that reminds me a lot about my mom and her, uh, her adolescence, her, her, her younger period. Um, so that's also kind of where it comes from for me. It's kind of this mm -hmm. personal thing. Did she provide some of the vocals in the music that's in the film? No, 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 no. Uh, she she really gave it up. <laughs> I I couldn't convince her to do that, but um, but yeah, in general, the music uh, partly has you know functions in that way. Um, yeah, just reminds me of her. Hmm, that's sweet. And it's the film also plays with light, like how you see the difference of an aspect ratio being uh, decreased, um, reduced shortly, and uh, like even the the a lot of flashlights that you play around or position the camera where you see sunlight. Like, can you talk about the theme of sunlight in your work? Yeah, I. Uh... <clears throat> well, in that particular film, it was kind of a, a visual 
manifestation of this of this spiritual uh, presence. Uh, but you know, it, it, uh, this concept of light figures into a lot of my work, like Everyday Star. Um, light is um, for me kind of a you know generative force, a powerful force. Uh, you know, in uh, in in my life, but also in cinema, it drives cinema. Um, but uh, yeah, it's kind of a um, it's it, it, yeah, it, it's kind of a influential device <laughs> that that you know permeates my body of work for sure. Um, and uh, yeah, but it has different functions in various films. But in the eyes of summer, yeah, it it's kind of a manifestation of this uh, this entity. Okay, and just to keep it within eyes of summer. The light is the sun's eye, if you could view it in one way. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I would agree. Mm -hmm. And there's also <laughs> the freeze frames at the end of the film. Like it, For me, it tries to blur the line between what was the kid thinking, like after coughing, or... Um, if it's part of uh, the emerge between the the living and the dead, yeah, I, I yeah, you 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 kind of uh, you're kind of touching on it. Um, I'm not sure I want to explain the totality of it, but because um, you know it's a part where I want people to kind of. Uh, um, you know, ex to exercise their curiosity and project into it and, uh, uh, you know, find their own meaning. But uh, I think uh, what you're saying is very close. Uh, it, it's kind of touching on what I was trying to do. Hmm. Yes, I want to make sure that I leave some artists' <laughs> missions ambiguous because, like, I know that Films should be up for conversation and debate instead of just giving out answers. Oh sure, I mean, I mean, I think uh, you, you know it's a delicate balance. Um, uh, you, you know that it's 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 a great thing uh, to have a conversation about a, a piece of work, uh, but you know um, there there are certain things that are. <clears throat> In the film, specifically to be, uh, uh, you know, to, to inspire uh, 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 thought from the spectator, kind of to, to project their own uh, uh, their own selves into it, and to discover, uh, you know, should be this process of discovery. And uh, yeah, there's certain points that are lend us maybe lend themselves well to. Uh, discussion and others uh you know i want kind of want to leave uh, a bit more mysterious and that's you know how they should function in the film mm -hmm. as you mentioned that you are always thinking about the thought of spectators when you make the films how much of that is in your head when you make them i always think about um the audience the spectator um it's, it's funny because 
it, you know, in the experimental film program I was in at CalArts, you know, this, uh, the kind of the overarching uh, sensibility is that, you know, you make films in a, almost in a vacuum and you're not really thinking about the, uh, the audience so much, um, you know, in, in the way, say, like uh, Hitchcock thought about the audience always. Uh, so I'm more of a Hitchcock... Hitchcockian filmmaker than a uh, than a Benning filmmaker, I guess, in that sense. Uh, mm. But I, I always think about the spectator, particularly because um, uh, you know I a lot of what I'm doing with my filmmaking, at least in this body of work over the last ten years, is um, uh, you know I'm I'm deconstructing. Um, documentary forms, nonfiction forms, uh, ethnographic forms. I'm examining, uh, you know, the colonial gaze. Um, so, you know, which requires, uh, you know, audience engagement and, uh, you know, asking a lot from the audience. Um, mm -hmm. So it, it's as much about their co contributions to the film. Uh, you know, as it is my own kind of like uh, imposing of my my vision. You know, it, it's it's a it's an exchange, um, and you, you know it, uh, it 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 really does uh, function that way. You know, uh, it's, mm -hmm. it's uh, that's why it's so exciting to take it to a theater and to uh, to you know to meet the audience to you know to have questions and um, also it's always exciting to see the film in a, in a in a block in a screening block and to and that's one of the most exciting things because uh, I see my film in a different way each time depending on what's next to it you know what what are the other films in the program and what story is uh, is being told. Uh, so it's always a different experience. I never get bored of, uh, <laughs> you know, seeing a film over and over, my film over and over again on the festival circuit for that reason. Uh, you know, I think, uh, you know, you can attest to how wonderful it is to be at a film festival and to yeah. uh, see that. I can attest to my attendance of Prismatic Ground this year in Black Star where like, even though there were two different strangers and uh, um, show me other places, like, I forgot the prismatogram because it was months, but it was Black Star. Like, I have to appreciate Maori's descents and all the programmers' role in just blending to different observations and discoveries. Yeah, you know, it's a, it's a really tough job. Um, but uh, you know, I think, <clears throat> particularly with those two film festivals, uh, Prismatic Ground, uh, run by you know, uh, uh, you know, Ine Prakash. Ine, of course, a, cl a close friend of mine, Ine Prakash, who's done a wonderful job um, with that festival. Um, but you know, he, it's it's almost like a, a programmer as artist, you know, they're telling stories with each program and they're, they're wonderful, unusual associations uh, uh, in these programs. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm happy to be uh, 
one element of that. And it, it's just so interesting to see my film uh, uh, interacting with these other films. Mm -hmm. And uh, as you said earlier about how you're in a way the Hitchcockian director, Alfred Hitchcock once said that he makes one movie of his entire life. Like, do you consider your own body of work as one movie? <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, yeah, I think, um, <clears throat> you know, it's, uh, that's, a, that's such a good question. It's a complicated question. I think even, uh, I think maybe even Antonioni said that, uh, but it's, it's true. I think <clears throat> I cannot escape my uh, perspective and sensibility as a filmmaker, um, you, you know, even in a film uh, like Show Me Other Places or, you know, The Eyes of Summer, which, you know, are two very different films. I feel like um, they're very similar <laughs> in a lot of ways. They're exploring, uh, uh, you know, ideas uh, that are uh, important to me, they all come back to me. <laughs> so, um, and I have no problem, I have no problem making the same film, uh, you know, my whole life. I think that's, that's fine. Um, yeah, I think, uh, but also, um, I feel like this body of work is almost like a culmination uh, uh, towards this feature I'm making. Um, you know, I don't, but, uh, you know, it, it's, a, I don't know what it's becoming, but, uh, you know, this feature is, uh, extremely complicated in, in so many ways, but, you know, I, I feel like, uh, a lot of the shorts, uh, I, I see traces of a lot of the shorts, uh, in this feature, but, you know, it's, it's like, you know, like you said, it's the same, same guy making this the film, so. Uh, sure. I am making the same film over and over again. I'll 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 accept that. I well, like that. They, they are all fun in their <laughs> own way. And to go briefly on Show Me Other Places about a collage of footage you shot in the last twelve years, and like, how do you determine like which goes where? And uh, as it was such. Like a long process. Oddly enough, Show Me Other Places was edited very quickly. Um, like a lot of my films, I'm a uh, you know a lot of these a lot of these shorts were have been uh, lingering, festering for many years, and uh, it's like my process of editing is just uh letting letting it kind of uh fester in my mind and I'm, I'm kind of putting it together in my head uh you know over the years and then when i actually physically you know throw it on to uh you know premiere or whatever editing program i it, it happens very quickly uh, but <clears throat> i think there's you're right i mean it, it's it's a very formally complex uh, film, uh, it has a lot of kind of unusual uh, sonic and uh, visual arrangements, but uh, <clears throat> there's, uh, 
you know, it, it, it's kind of all of it is um, fastened in this this uh, this conceptual framework uh, of uh, you know talking about uh, you know my own gaze. It's an interrogation of my own gaze, um, and uh, <clears throat> you know I'm uh, I'm uh, you know exploring uh, you know. Uh, the natural world, man-made environments, virtual planes, all these things, and kind of exploring <clears throat> the the form that I'm working in, uh, mm-hmm. you know, because this is uh, it, it's kind of about my position as a as a a filmmaker working in nonfiction and kind of looking at uh, the dimensions of uh, of the image and uh, kind of looking at the uh, responsibilities of a, of a person creating nonfiction images. Because, uh, you know, the, the, this is a form that, that's been used to destroy people like me uh, and all sorts of people. Uh, so, it, you know, it's a, it's, a, it's a form that I wanted to explore, uh, you know, in this way. Um, yeah. As you talked about the virtual planes, it is about seeing reality, no matter if it's from a VR headset or traveling to different parts of the world. Yeah, I, I mean, I wanted to speak to uh, uh, the limitations of the form, but also the, the complicated... Uh, the complicated nature of reality and uh, and how do you represent reality um, in in a cinematic idiom um, <clears throat> it's kind of a you're all <laughs> you're, you're kind of always chasing it, 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 it it's never exactly uh, you, you never actually at least from my perspective it, it's just this constantly elusive thing uh, this question of truth and representation um, and yeah, the film was speaking to, um, to that feeling that I, uh, you know, had as a filmmaker for, mm-hmm. you know, since, since I've been making films. As the medium has its limitations and what are some things in the bright side of the medium you look forward to? Well, no, I, I mean, I, I like the limitations. Like uh, I regard documentary as a broken form, uh, <clears throat> but I think, I think you know, I think it might be the most interesting form in cinema for that reason. Uh, you know, it, it's a it's a fractured and broken form, but it's it's useful in examining fractured states and 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 uh, broken situations. Um, and uh, th- that's probably why I kind of leaned into, uh, you know, this way of filmmaking, uh, given the context uh, in which I grew up. And, uh, you know, it was the most appropriate form. Um, but, you know, I mean, cinema is um, endlessly exciting. There's so many things you can do with it. I mean, I want to work... I want to make genre films. I, I want to, uh, you know, I, I want to make horror films. 
I want to do everything. Mm -hmm. um, but, uh, and, you know, I want to make more documentaries too. It's, it's, uh, uh, it's, it's, you know, it's a discipline that I find endlessly interesting um, and useful, I would say. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it is. And, uh, and along with realities, it is about projections as no matter what color or black and white footage you have, or even just the, the specific frames of squares and computer screens. Yeah, I mean, I ask, uh, again, you know, I asked a spectator to uh, project into the film uh, and to uh, actually, there's, <clears throat> Uh, there, there, I mean, this is maybe manifested more, uh, more explicitly in another film of mine called "The Spectre Watches Over Her." But uh, you know, I'm uh, sometimes I see myself as uh, see my films as uh, Rorschach tests. You know, I'm asking, I'm asking the spectator to project <coughs> themselves into the film and um, find out who they are. Uh, you know, that's, sometimes that's the point of certain abstractions in the film. Uh, but yeah, the, you know, there are many manifestations of, you know, what you're saying, this idea of projection and, uh, you, you know, exposing the, <clears throat> the uh, apparatus and mm -hmm. uh, the mechanics behind uh, a cinematic image. Um, I, I superimposed uh, a construction side over a screen. So, you know, I'm talking about the construction of an image, you know, what that yeah. means. Um, so, you know, there are many different functions to it, uh, but yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's all these great shorts. Well, I just want to remind listeners that you can see trailers for Eyes of Summer, Show Me Other Places, and The Exile. Unfortunately, there is no trailer for the other films, just to get a sense of Raji's aesthetics and style. And now, briefly, I want to talk about your Sundance, Berlin Nail, and True False Prism supported, and Dave and Field Vision supported feature. Your touch makes others invisible. That follows the aftermath of this. Sri Lanka Civil War as they in your 25 new face profile. What are some updates that you can say about it? Yeah, um, it's, uh, you know, it's many, many years in the making. Um, and I'm, uh, yeah, the pandemic kind of slowed down production, but I'm finally in uh, the early stages of production. I'm, I'm kind of in the thick of things uh, and uh, uh, there's only uh, I'm, there's not much I want to say right now uh, just because I'm in production um, but yeah it, you know it's this uh, and also uh, you know politically things are so volatile in Sri Lanka things are cha I can't write fast enough to keep up with uh, uh, you know things that are uh, things that are happening in Sri Lanka and things are changing so quickly <clears throat> so the film 
does not is not in its final form. Um, yeah, I, I, I'm not even sure what it is uh, right now. It could change, uh, you know, in a in a week or a month. But uh, but the base the basic idea is it's uh, it's exploring um, uh, you know in a, in a larger framework it's exploring the civil war um, the past the present and the future uh, but kind of in the context of um, historical interactions between the Tamils and the Sinhalese um, and uh, kind of uh, looking at uh, uh, you know different topics around those interactions, um, and uh, uh, you know, kind of examining examining those those issues, but also kind of incorporating uh, uh, elements of magic realism and <clears throat> uh, and testimonies and uh, you know different different things uh, to uh, to kind of express uh, uh, express some uh, you know a condition that I think is very very complicated and constantly changing but uh, yeah I'm working mm -hmm. very very hard I have a wonderful team uh, so uh, yeah I mean hopefully soon enough I'll be done and we can sit down and uh, <laughs> dig deep into it yeah, I heard that one of your producers that I saw on one of the development um, websites was Tabs Breeze of Miha, if I'm correct. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Tabs is uh, is wonderful. I mean, uh, uh, wonderful person <laughs> and a wonderful producer. And uh, yeah, she was the producer of Miha, which. Uh, was uh you know one of my favorite films of this year uh, this year it's wonderful um uh and uh yeah we're we're all working hard it's it's, it's a really it's it's a really complicated project and i'm being cryptic intentionally cryptic about it if you notice uh but um uh, you know hopefully i'll be done with the project soon and uh you know we can uh, kind of get into it with more uh in more in more detail and more clarity um but uh it's uh i'm i'm uh i'm, I'm being a bit cryptic just because we're in production and uh <laughs> and as you have more dialogue and testimonials like how do you make sure that you um, maintain the same aesthetics of your previous films that are going to be in the future while adding subtitles and uh, like dialogue that's more legible for the audience. Uh, <clears throat> well, yeah, with, with, with this project, I'm, I feel like I'm pushing myself formally and polemically as well you know you know i'm i'm trying to but you know it's uh it's a more it's a like i say it's a very complicated project uh, a complicated uh, topic i'm exploring and uh it requires a complicated form um and 
<clears throat> you know, it's, uh, you know, Sri Lanka, <clears throat> uh, it's a hybrid form uh, that I'm working with. Um, but, um, and it, it's kind of, you know, there's a lot of uh, truth and lies um, that, uh, that I've been exposed to over the years, you know, emerging uh, from uh, Sri Lanka, growing up in that context and, uh, you know, the tr truth and lies are kind of, they kind of become one at a certain point and you don't know what's what. So it, it's, and hence, you know, I'm, I'm kind of embracing a hybrid form to kind of uh, express, express uh, the, the, the truth of uh, that condition. Mm -hmm. And, uh, but you know, it's, it's, it's an, it's a, uh, you're right. You, you know, you're right. It's, uh, it's my, my, my kind of, uh, the form is kind of evolving, uh, and, uh, but you know, it's what's required. It's what's required because it's, uh, it's an extremely, uh, complicated issue, but also, uh, you, you know, I'm, uh, I'm exploring, I'm exploring things I haven't really explored in my other films. So, um, uh, but you know, uh, I'm up to the task and, uh, we're gonna, we're gonna make it work. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I can't wait to see it. And hopefully one day you could be less cryptic about it. And before I let you go, is there a film you want to recommend that is an uncut gem? <clears throat> A film, um, <clears throat> like a film that I saw um, this year or something? Um, it could be any film. <clears throat> it doesn't have to be just this year. Oh, okay. Uh, let me think. Uh, I think I'd like to recommend uh, a really... Uh, Oh, I'll recommend two films. <clears throat> uh, two films that I <clears throat> that are favorites of mine that I was kind of re revisiting. One is uh, <clears throat> in a year in a year with thirteen moons by Rainer Werner Fassbinder, and <clears throat> the other one is Sudeshwari by Mani Cole. Uh, who is, you know, <clears throat> a great, great filmmaker from India, one of my biggest influences as a filmmaker, both of those guys. Um, <clears throat> so those are two films I would recommend, older films, but, uh, mm -hmm. you know, films. In the I year of 13 moons, and <laughs> the other one? Sideshwari. Sideshwari. Um, um, like, was the name of the director so that I could have in my own notes? Ma Manny Cole, uh, M-A-N-I, uh, first name, K-A-U-L, last name. Okay. Thank you, Raji, for these great recommendations and also 
sharing with us about discovery, memories, and playing with audience expectations and engagement. And thank you for stopping by, and I hope you have a good day. Thank you so much for having me on, and it's always a pleasure to chat with you, Eddie. And I look forward to our next interaction. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, me too. Today's concluding thought, social anxiety. It is essential to let you know that I deal with social anxiety. I know I shouldn't have that as an outgoing, talkative person when I go to events or even hosting a podcast, but I have it. As someone who is neurodivergent, I have a hard time socializing with others. I say that because it's a factor in my everyday decisions instead of an excuse for why I am that way. I like talking to people, but I always worry about how I communicate with others. All I know 70% of the time is sending messages digitally or speaking in front of that person. Digitally speaking, I wonder if I am helpfully reminding that person of X event and time to hang out, or if I am annoying to them when I email or text about it. At times, that makes me reluctant to hang out with past classmates and current New Yorkers because I worry that I am a sickness to them. I also want to maintain trust in some people I know over time in New York. I fear that I overstep these implied boundaries. Most of the time in person, I do not know how to begin a conversation and say what I want to say in my mind rather than being open about what others are interested in talking about. I wonder if I speak to or at people. I'm curious if I make good use of their time or waste it, even if it's just a quick greeting. I wonder if I'm expressing concern, complaining, or being defensive, even when I find like key people in my close circles. I wonder if I'm addressing the needs I have or showing a needy personality. I wonder if I'm asking for their help or seeking their attention. And how can I advocate for myself in my field without being pushy about it? These are all the many questions that I continually ask myself. I don't have answers to each of them. I'm still figuring it out. It's fair for me to say that all these things have made me lose some self-respect and some self-love as I do not do much outside of staying in my apartment most of the day or finding a suitable day job. My behavior or my thinking of X person reflects I am as a person. I am only responsible for my actions and I'm not responsible of others. I am thankful for being neurodivergent. My autism drives me to do the things I'm passionate about, but it also hinders me from getting along with others. Sometimes I think that people get along with or befriend me instead of me doing that because of my own social anxiety. There's never a moment where we explicitly say, we're now friends. That's not how it works, and I get that. And I hope not to worry so much about myself to regain some of that self-respect and self-love. And that's today's concluding thought. Thank you for listening to today's episode of Real Print. This episode's music includes 
Continuum Mutation Courtesy of Kama and Shimmering by Rafa Orchestra Courtesy of Epidemic Sounds This episode is co-produced and edited by Anish Katu and Edward Frumpkin Please check out this episode's notes and links as well as reviews, award and seasonal predictions and essays written by yours truly at realprint.org that is r-e-e-l print dot org. This is Edward Funkin signing off.